each Sunday, we share our prayer requests with one another. It's part of what we get to do in this church and part of what makes us who we are. And uh, part of the, the great thing about that is we get to share in what's going on in each other's lives. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between, right? Um, once again, we did that this morning. We heard prayer requests. We heard about surgeries. We heard about cancer. We heard about loss of loved ones. We heard about pregnancy and travel. We heard about birthdays and we heard about uh, upcoming um, biopsies. We heard about um, moves and transitions in life. And we heard uh, um, about an elders meeting that we're having after the service today for this afternoon. And I, I want to unpack that a little more because I didn't want to leave it ominous in the room. It's a good meeting, okay? We're like having a meeting to talk about vision um, and to see what God would have for us in the future. So please do be praying for us that God would give us great insight and vision into what he wants for us as a church in the future. But each and every week as we come to these prayer requests, we get to see um, all aspects of life, all facets of life. And that's what we're talking about in this series, because we're asking a primary question. And the primary question connects with all of those prayer requests. It's this, how are we able to say it is well in all seasons of life? How are we able to say it is well in the loss of loved ones? How are we able to say it is well when we have an upcoming surgery? How are we able to say it is well with cancer? How are we able to say it is well with transitions in in life? How are we able to say it is well in all seasons? The first week we said um, it's well when we're well. Joseph, he starts out this story, he being the favored son, and things are going very well for Joseph. And for some of us in the room, things are really good right now. And so when somebody asked you this morning, how, how are you doing? You said, I'm doing well. And you weren't lying. You were actually, it wasn't like just the church answer. You were actually saying, I'm doing well. And when it's well, well, it's, it's well, right? We looked at that the first week. Last week, um, we said, but, but what about when life turns? Like with Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brothers. And we leaned in a little harder and we said, hey, how can it be well when we're betrayed? And we leaned into this idea that relationships are d- really difficult. And that we will experience betrayal in this life. And we have a Savior who knows that pain. Who was betrayed and can empathize with us and knows how we feel in those moments. And so even when we're betrayed, we can know that God knows how we feel. And because of that, it can be well. And this week, we're going to ask this question. How can it be well when I'm shackled? It is well when I'm shackled. When I'm shackled. There's a lot of different types of of shackling. Uh, One of those types of shackling might be physical. I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you've been to jail this morning. That would be a little too much information. Um, There's a couple times I thought I was going to end up in jail. I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, I never ended up there. Um, Never ended up doing prison ministry from the inside. Um, But uh, I... Uh, there was a couple times where I, I made some decisions and, and they weren't the best ones in the world. And I thought, this might be the day. Like, I might get to see what looks like inside a jail. Um, 
So for some, being shackled is actually physical, right? I worked with a prison ministry for quite some time uh, as an executive director there, and um, we helped uh, inmates uh, try to um, come back into society and, and do that successfully. Um, and so for, for many people, uh, actual being shackled, actually be in jail is something that is physical. But for most of us, we're here this morning, right? So I'm assuming you're not like you didn't escape last night and then came to church. Although that would be, be a pretty good decision. Um, for some of us, shackling looks a little different. Here's what I want to lean into this morning. For some of us, being shackled looks like this. Looks like emotions. Difficult emotions. Right? It's, it's dark, it's gray, and it's cold. Right now. Right? And there's this big ball of glowing light that we don't get to see as much this time of year. It's called the sun. Right? And when it comes back, we're like, oh, it's amazing. Right? Um, and because of that, some of us have some seasonal depression going on. It's always interesting to me who shows up in the office, wants to talk, and, and, and I, I often say, hey, are you getting, getting enough outdoors? Are you getting enough uh, vitamin B? Like, we need, you, need, you need some sunshine, right? You need some sunshine. It's a vitamin D. Vitamin D, I think. Sorry, not B. But maybe it's not just seasonal. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a deep-seated anger that you feel shackled to. Maybe you're just angry all the time. And you're not exactly sure why, or maybe you know exactly why. But maybe you're shackled to that anger. Maybe it's fear. And for some reason, you just feel shackled to fear. Maybe it's sadness. You just feel shackled to sadness. Or anxiety. That you're shackled and chained to anxiety. And every moment, you're anxious about what's going on to happen. Maybe that's how you're shackled. For some of us in the room, maybe it's financial. Maybe you are sitting here right now and you've got a huge debt. Maybe it was from college. Um, Maybe it was from a tough season of life where you just accumulated some debt, but you know that you're a slave to that debt. That you're wondering, how am I ever going to repay that debt? How am I ever going to get out of that? And there are some of us uh, financially who are actually doing pretty well, but we're always worried that, man, if, if the economy turns tomorrow, I could lose everything and we feel shackled to this. For some of us, we're shackled relationally. We're in a toxic relationship where we have brokenness in our home or our family or a friendship. And for some reason, we feel shackled by that relationship. We feel confined by that relationship. We feel imprisoned by that relationship. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you're struggling with a sin that you thought, you know what, I knew I was going to struggle with that 10 years ago, but I didn't think I was going to be struggling with that 10 years later. And maybe you feel shackled to certain sins, certain temptations, certain things that just keep coming up. You're like, I love Jesus, but man, how come I'm still tempted by the same things? How come I still fall in the same ways? And maybe you wake up some days feeling shackled to that sin. Or maybe you just feel stuck right now. Maybe you just feel stuck right now in life. You don't see what might be next. 
You feel confined to what is today. You don't feel like there's much hope for the future. You're shackled to just being stuck. And we want to lean into this this morning because Joseph knows what it's like to be shackled. He knows what it's like to be shackled. He was shackled twice in this story. The first time, Joseph is shackled because he is sold out by his brothers. He's sold out, right? His brothers actually sell him out. So if you missed the first part of this story, Joseph, he's the favored son of his father, the youngest of 12. And his brothers don't like him very much. We don't know if it was the the robe he danced around in or if it was the dreams that he had where he kept telling his brothers, hey man, you're going to bow down to me someday. And they didn't take that very well. We're not exactly sure, but maybe a compilation of all those things ended him up in a cistern, in a pit, right? And eventually he was pulled out of that pit and literally sold out. He was sold into slavery. He was sold into shackles, right? If you, if you go to prison today, right, you do something bad today, you probably not actually, you might get some handcuffs for a little bit, but as soon as they get you in there, they won't actually shackle you. Well, I bet Joseph actually spent some time in chains and shackles because he was sold out by those who loved him. Once again, this is an area where we could identify as well, right? Maybe there's been moments in your life where you've trusted someone and they've sold you out. And because of that, you've felt shackled in some way, shape, or form. You said, my life just isn't the same after that person sold me out. I can't trust him anymore. Maybe that shackled you to anger for the rest of your life or bitterness for the rest of your life. Maybe it, maybe it shackled you from the relationship with that person for the rest of your life. But for some reason or another, you may have been sold out just like Joseph was sold out by his brothers. So first he was shackled because he was sold out and second he was shackled because he was lied he was lied about Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph right Joseph Joseph is an interesting character he he actually climbs the ladder in slavery and Potiphar takes notice that hey things are going well with this guy and so maybe I'll put him in charge of things so all I need to worry about is the food I'm going to eat today And he puts Joseph in charge of all of this. And Potiphar's wife, she takes notice of him. And and she she is enticing him. She's tempting him. She wants to be with him in a biblical sense, if you know what I'm saying, right? Okay? And so she's saying to him, hey, hey, come come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And he says, no, 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 I'm not going to come to bed with you. He's a man of character. We see character in this moment. Joseph says, notice he says... uh, I've been given charge of everything and, and my master hasn't kept anything from me except for you because our, you are his, his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against, catch this, he didn't say Potiphar, sin against God, right? He shows us some great character in this moment and you think, oh, he's going to get rewarded for his character, right? This is how it works in the story, that it should work for his good. He's a man of character and God should smile down at him and say, hey, see, my Joseph, he tells the truth. He's a man of character, but guess what? That's not what happens. As the story goes, he's doing the right thing and Potiphar's wife is still doing the wrong thing. She grabs a hold of his cloak, yanks off his cloak and he goes running out 
half naked. That's how they sit in the South, naked. And, and, and she holds on to his cloak, right? And she tells this lie. She tells this lie to the fellow servants, and then she tells this lie to Potiphar himself. And maybe you've been lied about, and it's put you in shackles. I heard uh, a little fable one time about lies. And as the fable goes, there was a man who, who told a lie about somebody, and then he felt really guilty about that lie. So he went to his priest, his local priest, and he said to the priest, Hey priest, I, I lied about a friend of mine. What do I do, need to do um, to make things Right, And so the priest said to him, well, here's what I think you should do. I think you should say X amount of Hail Marys. I don't know how many there are, but like 10 of them, let's say. He said 10, and then he sent him home to do 10 Hail Marys. And he said, and then I want you to do one more thing. And, and the guy said, okay, what's that? Well, I want you to go upstairs, and, and do you have a, a feather pillow? And he said, yeah, I got a feather pillow. Well, I want you to take the feather pillow, go upstairs. And then I want you to cut that feather pillow open. I want you to, to shake all those feathers out the window. Okay? And then I want you to come back to me tomorrow. He said, okay, I'll do that. So he went home, says, to Hail Mary's. Went upstairs, got his feather pillow, cut it open. Thought, this is a really weird thing. Opens that and, and pours it out the window. And, and then he, he says, okay, I feel like I'm better now. You know, I, I, told, I told my lie, now I can go back. Goes back to the priest the next day, and the priest says, hey, guess what? Here's what you got to do. All you got to do to figure this out, fix it, go get all those feathers. Just find all those feathers and collect all those feathers. See, lies, they spread and they cause destruction and they cause us to be shackled and they cause others to be shackled. And some of you have known this pain when someone tells a lie about you. Someone tells something that is not of the truth and it has shackled you. And for Joseph, it literally landed him back in prison. So Joseph knows what it's like to be shackled. It's not just that he knows what it's like to be uh, enslaved. It's not just that he knows what it's like to be in jail. He knows what it's like to have the people who love him most turn on him. He knows what it's like to be in a great position of power, doing the right thing, and the wrong thing still happens to him. He knows what it's like to be in our shoes. And because of this, we can learn a lot from Joseph. First, um, there's an important insight that I want us to see. There's an important insight. And it's this. Joseph, he knew that even while being shackled, he could still be free. He knew that he could, even though he was shackled, even though he was in captivity... He could still be free. When he was sold as a slave, he knew and acted like he was free. And when he goes to prison, he acts like he is free. He still does the right thing. He's still following after God. He's not acting like a shackled person. He's not saying, woe is me. I can't do anything right now. I'm in shackles. No. What he does is every responsibility he gets, he does extremely well. And because of that, he finds favor with Potiphar and then the prison warden, which I don't know too many prison wardens, but I I would think that it's hard to find favor with a prison warden. Let's just be honest, right? Come on. 
And this is just a great insight. He acts as if he's free in both situations. Now, let's do a psychologist lecture on the story of Joseph in the past couple of weeks. Um, and he, he just said, regardless of, of God in the story, he said, Joseph acts with great character. He gives us a great model of how we should react in difficult situations. When we're feeling shackled, when we're feel, feeling captive, when we're feeling imprisoned, we should act like Joseph. We should do the right thing. We should work hard. And we should see what Happens. There's a bit of bootstrap thinking here, and, and oftentimes I'm not a big, huge fan of bootstrap thinking, but I, I, I want to lean in here a little bit. Because I actually do think there's something for us to learn in this story in terms of bootstrap thinking. There are moments in our life when you feel shackled by something where I want to say this let's have a little grit, right? Let's have a little grit, let's be a little tougher. Let's still do the right thing. See, oftentimes when something bad comes in our lives and maybe we don't deserve it, or maybe even when we do deserve it, sometimes we go, oh, woe is me. Oh, man, I don't deserve this. Oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. And it's in these moments. The question would be, can you still act free when you're a slave? Can you still... Get up and try to do the right thing. Can you still get up and work hard? Can you still live a life of character? And Joseph shows us that you can. He lives in a gritty way, right? He lives through the adversity. And I want to encourage you to do that. Live through the adversity. Work through this knowing that God is making you stronger. That He's making you tougher. That He wants you to step to the situation. And if I can put my coaching hat on for a minute, right? We got two wins this weekend, which is a big winning streak for us. Yeah! Alright? And we got districts coming up next week. And what I've been trying to teach my boys is grit. Right? Like we just need a little bit of grit. We just need some guts. And sometimes we got to look whatever is wrong or broken or not working, look it right in the eye and say, I'm going to go through this. I'm not letting it go through me. I'm going to run this over instead of letting myself be run over. And Joseph shows us this. It's a bit of bootstrap thinking, but I think it goes deeper than that. I actually think it goes much deeper than that because I don't think it's just because Joseph is a man of character. I think it's because Joseph knows two really important things which have nothing to do with bootstraps. And here are those two things. Two reasons that it is well when I'm shackled. Two reasons it is well when I'm shackled. Number one, God is with me. The verse says this, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Over and over and over. Did you hear it as I was reading through? It says, and God was with him. And God was with him. And then everything prospered. And then he got thrown in jail. And guess what? God was with him. And do you know why it went well? Because God was with 
him. See, I think Joseph knew that God was with him. And when you are shackled, it's important to know that you're not alone. It's important to know that the God of the universe is with you. See, it's interesting because this is roughly in the middle of the story and one of the literary techniques of that time was that they would actually um, try to put important words in the middle of stories or in the middle of phrases, not at the end or at the beginning, because they wanted you to know that the whole story was about one thing. And in this story, we're in the middle of the story, it echoes over and over again in this chapter that God is with Joseph because the writer wants you to know That regardless of the beginning and regardless of the end, God is with Joseph. And I want to say this to you this morning. God is with you. God is with you. He has not left you. He is with you. This is the story over and over. This isn't just the Joseph story. This is this whole book. It's the whole point. God makes Adam and Eve so that he can be with his creation. And even when Adam and Eve decide they don't want to be with him anymore and they want to fracture that relationship, he puts into play a plan of salvation so that he can be with his people. He chooses these people, the Israelites that come out of this family lineage. And he is with them. He brings them out of slavery, out of Egypt, into the promised land. He tabernacles with them, which means that they had this huge moving camp. And in the middle of the camp, there was a tent and God resided there. His presence was in the midst of them, in the middle of them. And he was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of uh, a pillar of clouds by day as he led them because he wanted to be what? with them. And then he went even further. He said, you know what? I'm going to send my son. I'm going to become God put on flesh because I want to be with them. And in the end, Revelation, the book that you don't want to read because it freaks you out, right? In the end, guess what? God comes to be with us. The, The picture at the end of Revelation isn't that we all like float up. And I'll get harps and clouds, right? That doesn't work like that, right? The picture is that heaven is torn open and that heaven comes down to earth and that God comes to live in the midst of his people to be what? With us. This is the eternity you have to look forward to. Like, it's great that we're going to all hang out forever with each other, but it's going to be way better that we're going to be with God. Because God is with us. If you've heard anything other than that, even in a church, you haven't heard the true Christian message. If you've heard that this is about earning it somehow, you haven't heard the Christian message. 
If you've heard that God is up there ready to strike you down, down here, you haven't heard the Christian message. If you think he's away, he's against, he's not for, you have not heard the Christian message. He is with you. And last, come on in kids. Come on, come on. They're coming in for communion. (laughs) Here's the last point, and it's perfect timing. Um, God's not only with you, He favors you. It is well when you're shackled because I am still favored. I am still favored. You are still favored. You're favored. You're favored. Listen, when, you, when your kids just walked in, something happened to your faces, parents. A little bit of dread, like other back, and a lot of love, right? A lot of love. Why? Because you favor them. Right? You favor them. Why? Because they're your kids. When they do bad stuff, sometimes it's even hard not to laugh because of the bad stuff they're doing. And you're like, I shouldn't be laughing at this. Why? Because you favor them. Because they're your kids. And God is with you and God favors you. It's back to the beginning of the story. Joseph is the favored son of his father. And this thread continues throughout the entire story. Joseph is favored. He finds favor in the eyes of Potiphar. He finds favor in the eyes of the prison warden. He knows that he is favored. And because he knows that God is with him and that he is favored, he can walk through whatever might come in front of him. And many of you have struggled with this thought. Does God really favor me? Can God really favor me when I've done what I've done? Can God really favor me A person like me, why would he care? With this life I've lived, where I haven't haven't served him, I haven't had him in mind, could he possibly be with me? Could he possibly favor me? And some of you have said, you know what? Um, I can't believe that, so I'm going to earn it. I'm going to earn his favor. I'm just going to work so hard that he just gets so happy with me and that he loves me so much. And if I just do one more good thing, I just read one more Bible verse, I just pray one more prayer, if I just do one more thing for the kingdom, then maybe I can earn it. Maybe I can earn his favor. Your heavenly father isn't like your earthly father, okay? Your heavenly father is nothing like your earthly father, even if your earthly father was great. He's nothing like it. Because he gives you this unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Is there anything in this story that tells us that Joseph earned any of this? Like, did he pick his place as the last kid born? Did he pick that he was handsome and well-built? And did, did he pick any of this? Did he pick that family that he ended up in? Did, he didn't. It's unmerited favor. Unearned favor. A better word for unmerited or unearned favor is grace.
So you don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. You don't have to earn you don't have to earn it. You don't have to keep living like that. You don't have to keep living like you need to somehow earn the love of the Father. Or that if you just get it right, then finally He'll be with you. No, no, no. Here's the message. Here's the message. When you're shackled, He is with you. When you're shackled, you are favored. He pours grace upon grace upon grace over your life. And you did nothing to earn it or deserve it. It's all because of how great and awesome and perfect He is. And He wants to lavish it upon you. See how great... The love of the Father that He has lavished upon His children, that we are called children of God, and that is what we are. Heavenly Father, I pray for those in the room who are feeling shackled in any any way. For those of us who are struggling with emotional shackling, with relationships that have us shackled, with finances that are shackling us. God, whatever is keeping us imprisoned and in, in, in chains, God, would you set us free? Jesus, I pray for those who that season isn't just going to quickly change. I pray for those who who have felt shackled for years now. I pray, God, that you would remind them that you are with them even in the shackles. You have not left them nor forsaken them and that you still favor them. God, thank you for this meal that you're about to nourish us in. Thank you that is a meal that teaches us about unearned favor, about your grace. Jesus, that you put on flesh because you wanted to be with us so bad. And you died on that cross because you wanted to be with us forever. God, we come not because we've got it all together. We come because we don't. We ask all in Jesus' name. Amen.